Now don't get don't get scared and start turning off your radios, huh? I'm not advertising or trying to sell you anything. If the mouthwash you're using uh, is uh, not the right kind and it tastes sort of like sheep dip, why well, you just have to go right on using it. I can't advise any other kind. So. Welcome to Bacon, Beans, and Limousines. This is a Will Rogers Memorial Museum podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Crumweedy. Guys, and I'm Bart Taylor. We want to welcome you in for episode 22 on the life and times of Will Rogers. We're down in the basement again, me and old Jacob. We're going to supply you with just a little bit of stuff on Will Rogers' run for president in 1928. You ask, he ran for president? We're going to let you know when we come right back. Thanks. All right, guys. Welcome in. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in to... Episode Dose Dose. Episode 22. Yeah, we're excited about this. Double deuces. You know, it's been a while since we've been down in the basement. Good thing is, we our coffee cups are sitting here, same place they were last time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and guess what? They weren't cleaned out. You know, we like to let you in on this little information that happens here at the museum. The cool stuff. So, Jacob, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, did you know, Bart... What? That Will Rogers ran for president? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. In 96? <laughs> no. <laughs> he actually didn't run for president, but there was a few things that he did do in Life magazine that are somewhat relevant to that discussion. Oh, yes. And we will be telling people the facts, the secrets, the stuff about Will that people want to hear. That's right. Well, you know, one cool thing about this whole thing, and we'll get to it at the end, is the similarities in Will Rogers and the... The going on to inspire, like we've always talked about, John Stewart, Stephen Colbert, those types. And we're going to really hit um, on Stephen Colbert this time. He actually ran for uh, president, or you know, just like Will Rogers did, um, the, the fake running of pr- for president um, back in 2007. Um, and so we'll, we'll kind of end with that, open up with just a little bit of information on why people wanted Will Rogers to run for president and what he could offer if anything, to the actual ticket. Um, So, you know, just sit back for a little bit, relax for a little bit, pop on those cowboy boots. We'll see you in a bit. Are you tired of the current field of presidential candidates? Do you want someone to represent the common man? Sure do, worry me. Well, why not Will Rogers from the Anti-Bunk Party? Will Rogers, he choose to run. We back! So, the concept of a comedian running for president as a kind of a joke is not anything that we are unfamiliar with. Right. And like I said, you know, we get to see... Um, even what Stephen Colbert did, um, there's a couple movies that are you almost think they're inspired by Will Rogers, um, and we'll go on to talk about that stuff. But let's let's kind of set our listeners up with what was going on and maybe who were the main uh, proponents of pushing Will towards this fake run for presidency. Well, actually, it kind of goes back a little further than that. Okay, um, I'm going to start the story just to kind of put you in the time period. This. The whole discussion kind of started in 1924 right. at the Democratic National Convention. Um, and then at that <laughs> convention, there were a couple of votes 
for Will Rogers for president right. uh, for for the nomination of the Democratic Party. Um, obviously, that was you know just a couple stray nominations here. That's not anything too new or or groundbreaking, but it it kind of represented the start of this this weird little kind of a snippet of Will Rogers' life that not necessarily a lot of people know about, but is still really fascinating. Right. You know what's one, one cool thing, and we were, we were discussing this before we started recording, is the, the, the eerily, eerily similar ways that this, is, this, this uh, whole political process is going down and how it was back then in 24 and 28. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, with, with the leading candidates for the Republican Party being Ben Carson and Donald Trump. Yeah, you kind of, uh, I think a lot of the... the need for this um, when people start to nominate kind of these rogue these rogue nominations uh, these rogue votes if you will um, is kind of just a, a, a statement more than anything it's just a statement saying we are not happy with the status quo of the party right we're looking at an outsider which is crazy and if you think about it now I mean the two leading I mean not just these little votes at, right. a, at a convention but the two leading candidates right now are for the republican party anyway are outside the status right. quo a businessman and a brain surgeon yeah it just seems uh eerily similar not necessarily similar to, to will rogers right. um, but just the the concept of people looking outside the box right and you know it, with donald trump you don't want to go into too much of his policies or anything but people can relate to him in an odd way um just like will rogers was you know in the movies or in in the daily columns people were getting a little taste of will sure um and so you know donald trump has been on tv for certain things he's been in the public eye for so long and we kind of know who this guy is and let let this be the first and last time we ever put will rogers and donald trump in the same sentence as a comparison Oops, we will destroy <laughs> this episode after it's played that's how what we're gonna do we're gonna okay destroy it. yeah so this concept of will rogers for president um it really existed in the 1920s and in the 1930s primarily as a joke. Right. But like I was saying, there there was a the start of that had its its roots in the 24 uh, Democratic Convention. Uh, but then again, you know, in 1924, he was a well-known figure. He had been writing columns uh, for a number of years um, and was already kind of a household name. But by 1928, he was growing exponentially in in popularity right so really he was not just popularity but visibility too i mean he was in starting to get in films more regularly and, and talkies were starting not until 28 uh, 29 rather but um you know he was in the the national eye just right. about all the time at this point and so there were there were these whisperings of him being a possibility for the presidential nomination or maybe even more realistically, a vice presidential candidate. Right. I saw that mentioned as well, um, which is, it's kind of neat that they that they think so highly of Will Rogers. Um, but again, it's uh, it's it's pretty cool to see that they trusted him this much to have you know possibly even let him run for president. It got down to where, you know, if we want to get into the, the real the real good facts about this this story, uh, in in Life Magazine. Well, let's start off with Life Magazine. What Life Magazine was? Yeah. Well, let's before. Actually, before if I could step in there before that, you know, I'll, let me say this: that most of these whisperings weren't necessarily from the party itself. It's not like the, you know, members within the establishment were saying, "Okay, we've got to have Will Rogers as our as our candidate." This, right. These are mostly whisperings of 
common folks, people out, you know, the voting public. Paper editors, like friends sure. of Will Rogers. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what's neat too is some of the people that support him, some of the big names like Henry Ford, Babe Ruth, yeah. um, that get behind him, Billy Mitchell. You know, sure. for you know, maybe he. Maybe he's going to be a serious candidate here. So it's it's just kind of neat, the, it, the similarities with Stephen Colbert, but we'll get there um, as well. So. Yeah, so what this eventually would transpire into is, obviously, Will Rogers never took any of this seriously, even though some of them, some of the people out there were being very serious. He certainly wasn't. And he transformed this, really, Life Magazine kind of helped in that. Oh, but yeah. they made it into a joke. Well, you know what's cool? Jacob, you know what The Onion is, right? Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, you're not very funny, but, you know, we're working on you. <laughs> we're, we're getting you there. You read stuff that's funny. You know, you can actually pass jo- jokes off that every, aren't yours. Every duo needs a straight man. Hey, that's just how it goes. That's just <laughs> how it goes. Well, one thing about life, and I want to tell our listeners about this. Life, everybody knows Life Magazine. Sure. Um, but it started off real a little bit different than what it is today. Um, in 1883, it started as a humorous, um, humorous magazine. Talked about the you know daily news in a humorous way, satirical way. Perfect for Will Rogers, might I add. Yeah. Um, in 1936, um, after Will Rogers' death, it moved into a weekly news type of magazine. In the 1960s, it turned into basically celebrity photos. Um, and 1970s, went down to a monthly magazine. And today we're looking at it. It partnered with Google back in 2008. Hmm. So that's kind of just the the broad outskirts of what Life Magazine was. Kind of an onion of the day as it started off. Um, I know a lot of people get their news from the onion, and that goes back to you know Will Rogers always you know always put his news in a satirical form. But a lot of people got their daily news from Will Rogers. Yeah. So just like me and you watching the John Stewart show on a daily basis. This daily show gives an opportunity to see the facts presented in a satirical manner, and which, honestly, I'd rather see than a Fox News or a CNN put forth. So I think it's it's interesting that even back in the 1880s, we were looking at a satirical magazine that was making fun of the way things go. Well, John Stewart used to be the guy. Used to be the man. Used to be Um, the man. Yeah, no, and you know, I think going back to the the Life Magazine stuff, you know, I, I, I think uh, a lot of the reason for the joke was, again, that dis, displeasure or unrest within the party looking for something else. Right. <clears throat> trying to grasp onto something else. And, you know, Will Rogers actually, you know, outside of the, the, the columns themselves, he did a lot to try to be, you know, kind of be the good Democrat and dissuade a lot of that stuff and just say, right. hey, no, listen, you know, we need to get behind the candidates that we that we nominate right. and uh, put a united front out there. Um, and a lot of the reason was in uh, 28, um, uh, governor of New York for a long time, uh, Al, Smith Al Smith was yep. the was the nominated. Um, we tried to say that at the same time. And I Al Smith. Yeah. Al Smith. Um, yeah. No, but he was the he was kind of the uh, uh, he was the nomination uh, for the for president. But um you know the the one of the leading issues of the time was obviously prohibition and right. uh, you know were you a uh, uh, for a dry candidate or a wet candidate you know right. just depending on what they supported and you know he was from a a wet state you know and there was uh, a lot of uh, distrust and and people in the party that were wanting somebody else right um, and that's kind of why people started to gravitate towards Will Rogers a little bit because he was almost in a lot of ways the anti Al Smith. Right. You know, he wasn't the guy from New York. He was a guy from, you know, the middle of the country, Indian territory, this kind of 
folksy sort of figure and so he just fit in that and he was already knocking out a, a niche for himself oh sure already yeah. by this time knocking out a little niche for himself you know one th go ahead and bring that up what you were gonna no do. no i was just gonna say describe to me a little bit what the what the kind of the what the look of this campaign was well i want to start with one of the very first um articles written uh, to life on why Will Rogers should run. Okay, and this comes from uh, the Colorado a Colorado judge named Judge Ben B. Lindsay, and the the article itself is titled "For President Will Rogers, the Invincible Candidate of the Dis Dissatisf Dissatisfied Voters of Both Parties," um, and he says, "Well, if you could cast aside all party prejudice, who would be your ideal choice for president?" Yeah. Interesting question. Uh -huh. Well, he answers this. Um, with about five different reasons why you should vote for Will Rogers or okay. why he is should be taken as a serious candidate, which yeah. is really cool. The answer from a large group of representative Americans took the form of an overwhelming majority for wanting Will Rogers to do this. And why not? Will Rogers, to begin with, was, first of all, American, um, Native American as well. And like we said, he was carving out that niche to where people were trusting him sure. with that daily news to put a funny spin on it. In second place, Will Rogers, like we just said, is a humorist. If elected, he would be the first president in 62 years who was funny intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> so good. maybe Judge B. Lindsay has a little bit of Will Rogers himself. Yeah, there. that's pretty good. Yeah. So in third place, Will Rogers had a wider experience as a public servant than most anybody in the House oh, of yeah. Representatives sure. or any of the congressmen. The fourth place, Will Rogers has seen the world, knows people, knows human beings. Yeah. Um, oh, that warm spirit that yeah. knows culture, that knows other cultures. It's really interesting. And the fifth, the fifth and final one, he says, Will Rogers is a good scout. It's just time that people of the United States of America elected a president for no other reason than that, being a good boy scout and huh. is what he's saying. You know, for instance, the fact that he has set foot on foreign soil, has made friends with the Englishmen, Russians, Mexican, and similar undesi undesirables will be used by as many serious arguments. For his favor. Gosh, so it's, it's pretty cool. I it's think he's. Cool. I think he won me over. <laughs> right, I'll vote for him. So we're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna be pushing actually him into this next uh, presidential election if we can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, and there's there's a lot of other, uh, uh, you know, words that were written about him as a as a kind of I, honestly more serious uh, serious sort of candidate. There was a, a, a Catholic bishop from uh, Saint Joseph, Missouri. Right. Um, he said something kind of interesting. He has more genuine patriotism in his little finger than 10,000 bigots who are attacking Governor Smith. <laughs> That's great. Um, you know, he Just kind of looking for that real down-to-earth, real sort of figure. Right. There was another guy who was a popular columnist at the time, uh, Haywood Brown. Um, you know, he said there was no jest um, in the idea of putting him on the ticket with Smith, actually, for that right. matter. He was saying, Rogers is no clown. His witticisms... Um, have a foundation in shrewd common sense. He could unite the party under the leadership, um, under his leadership, um, and there is no man better equipped to fight uh, the Klan, the Ku Klux Klan, which was a problem at the time. Oh wow! Um, um, he knows the people from the knows those people from the ground up. I think he could kid the Klan out of existence. Wow! I thought that was a, a great quote. It so is. there was a lot of these these quotes and you know out there in the public. Um, right. During this time of this this kind of things were heating up right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so okay, back to what I was saying earlier. Uh, describe kind of what the campaign actually started to look like. What was you know not just what was written, but you know what was the the tone of that of that uh, 
Will, 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 uh, Will Rogers, his main thing, and it was really cool, he, he, wanted, he said, we are going to try and eliminate slogans. Okay. Now, all yeah. this stuff seems like he's making a joke of it. Right. But when it comes down to it, it's some of it's actually a lot of it is a great idea. Sure. Um, no slogans. Um, I wrote down Trump's Make America Great Again or Obama with change. Yeah. His slogan was elect Rogers and he will resign, which is <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. And he said this. I love this. But he was running on this anti-bunk campaign. Anti-bunk. Anti-bunk. Now, tell me what what does anti-bunk mean real quick? And I'll get back to that. Well, that's kind of just a, a you know, he'd he'd wrote about that more than one occasion, you know, in his in his articles, whether it be his weekly or his daily, just kind of saying, you know, we want to cut through the the trash, the trash that's out there. The and fat. He said, kind of uh, one thing he would say often was, "All politics is applesauce." Right. Anytime he would say applesauce, meaning it's just a bunch of bunk, you know. And right. So he was just, you know, get down to the to the reality of things and not the. Uh, I keep trying not to say something and <laughs> uh, not the other things. So, uh, yeah, no, anti-bunk. That's kind of was his uh, his party that he c- created. And you know what was real cool? Uh, the the anti-slogans that, you know, the making fun of people. Um, make like, Even like if Trump was around today, the Make America Great Again, those are the type of things that he loved to pick on. Um, and him just satiring that, basically. Um, this is a line from Will Rogers. Our support will have to come from those who want nothing and have the assurance of getting it. Now, this whole acceptance is based on one thing, and that is this. If elected, I absolutely and positively agree to resign. I love that. <laughs> yeah. um, that's offering the country more than any candidate ever <laughs> offered in the entire history of its, its ex- existence. That's done. I like that one a lot. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, this this campaign, you know, he took these, and I think he recognized, you know, the at this point, the Democratic Party was in kind of disarray. You know, there was, you know, a, lot, a string of, of Republican nominations for, for several years, and uh, the Democratic Party just kind of couldn't get its act together and put together a, a well-run campaign to defeat the Republican right. uh, nominees. Uh, and so he was, he kind of dissuaded a lot of these, these, uh, uh, these, these attempts to uh, throw somebody into the ring himself, for example, he just he would bat it away and say, no, we need to unify and, and get going. Um, and there was, you know, I'll kind of move on past 1928, move on to 1932 here for a right. minute. Um, to that kind of same theme, uh, when obviously Franklin Delano Roosevelt was, was running. Right. And a lot of these things started to come up again, you know, this Will Rogers for president and things like that. And, you know, I think FDR was a little bit concerned about that. Actually, did, did he not write Will Rogers or at least try to get a hold of it to see if it was a serious yeah. note or not? He sent him he sent him uh, some correspondence saying, uh, I wish I had the whole letter here in front of me, but uh, he said essentially, don't forget that you are a Democrat by birth, training, and tough experience. And I know you won't get mixed into any full movement to make the good old donkey chase his own tail and give the elephant a chance to oh, win the race. Oh, that's fantastic. So, you should have re- uh, read that in FDR's voice, but I'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll go over and dub that. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so no, it's uh, it's something that I think it just I think that letter speaks so much uh, for FDR to know and understand that Rogers' campaigns had been a joke, but also to know and understand how popular he was at the time right. and say, listen, no, we, we've got to unify as a party. 
and I think there was a little element of concern in his in his letter that he wrote. I agree. And you know what's cool too is you know FDR uh, he took some of what Will Rogers uh, was all about and applied it to his own candidacy. Made him a little stuff a little more populist, right? Uh, going you know for the homely guy, you sure. know, um, even on his radio addresses. Oh yeah. He knew that Will Rogers tapped something central to the people of America. Oh yeah. And he knew that that could possibly be his route with the fireside chats. You know, I mean, it's, we've it's said pretty this, neat. We've said this before on this program, too, that um, on more than one occasion, he would have Will Rogers open for him. Right. And he would do his fireside chat. So tuning in to listen to the president, the first thing you would hear before that would be Will Rogers getting the crowd warmed up, essentially. Right. So yeah, that's yeah. pretty that's pretty neat. Pretty neat. Well, Bart, let's move on to part two, I'd say. Right. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Sounds great. This country has been planned to death, the same as we were slogan to death during the war. Had we never had a slogan, we would be at peace with the world today. Back, 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 son. Back, back, back. What Steve, you, what Steve. You, what are you, Chris Berman? Uh, yes. You can't use read you, you reuse the jokes. <laughs> I told you folks he use, reuses jokes. Did I say that already? He did. I've made the joke before. Episode 18, exactly. You three know, minutes <laughs> in, three minutes, 20 seconds in. He's got all my jokes memorized. Yeah. They're that good. Well, he memorized mine first. So. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Let's get back to this. Um, like we were saying earlier, um, this idea of a kind of a comedian slash humorist uh, doing a fake presidential run, this is nothing new right. and nothing that we haven't encountered before necessarily right and i step in right here october 16th 2007 oh, i remember this oh I'm i sure remember the do. day like it was yesterday i'm sure you do what were you doing sitting in your dorm room eating doritos <laughs> because stephen gobert stephen gobert was sponsored by doritos, doritos his campaign yeah, was run on dorito nacho chips so maybe that's <laughs> what you were doing so october 16th 2007 stephen gobert um uh, obviously, of the Daily Show, John Stewart's Daily Show, and then he had his own show, Stephen Colbert Show, um, the Colbert Report. the Colbert Report, and now he's he's like the bigwig. He is the yeah, he is the big Letterman. talking head. Um, yeah, exactly. Took over for David Letterman. Such a great show, too. Yeah, and it, what it, what's neat is in this time of bunk that I think we're living in, just like Will Rogers was living in. Yeah, you see Stephen Colbert in 2007, prime time of that bunk period in politics, coming up and doing. Real similar thing. Yeah, and you know, I think it's such a good outlet, too, because, you know, at least with me, I get so frustrated seeing both sides fighting back and forth. And oh, it's ridiculous. They're getting so polarized. and It's ridiculous. It's nice to have that comedic outlet at some point where you can just kind of sit back and laugh and say, ah. And that's why I'm here, folks. Yeah. yeah there's no oh, other yeah. reason I'm on this podcast. <laughs> My research is trash. <laughs> so basically what happened, uh, what happened after learning that the fee to file in the Republican primary was 35 grand. Colbert abandoned plans to run as the Republican. As he previously has stated, he would try to keep his expenditures under five grand. So then the FEC or FEC could not come through and say, well, you owe us that 35 grand. Uh So right off the bat, he was trying to skirt the rules, which I thought was classic. Um, But the funny thing is Colbert's campaign was likened 
Um, if you've ever seen the film Man of the Year oh, with Robin yeah. Williams, it's kind of the same idea. It's the same thing. A comedian um, uh, runs. For, uh, basically, Robin Williams plays the comedian who runs for president. Um, and this actually happened in 1968. P Pat Paulson. Pat Paulson. Yeah. Pat Paulson received over 200,000 votes, um, and he ran sort of like Will Rogers um, because of the dis dissatisf dissatisfaction of political yeah. things that were going on. When things get really polarized, you kind of start to see that. You start to see our comedians and our <laughs> satirists come out and, and really show the truth that's going on, or at sure. least you know adding a different uh, perspective there. Um, but I really do like this part about Colbert. Colbert obviously was just kind of goofing off, um, you know, just bringing up the fact that, hey, our, uh, our choices are pretty trash. Um, I might as well throw my hat in the ring as well. Colbert's campaign touted him as South Carolina's native or favorite son candidate, yeah. running exclusively in the state of South Carolina and for the state's interests. One of the funny things I remember him saying on his show, I am from South Carolina, and I am for South Carolina, and I defy any other candidate to pander more to the people of South Car Carolina. Those beautiful, beautiful people. <laughs> it's just a classic Will Rogers yeah. inspired event, I think, personally. Um, another thing that was really funny, his whole candidacy was sponsored by Doritos. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, I just I thought that was really funny. Um, he just basically, as the candidate of Doritos, his hands are stained by corporate corruption and nacho cheese, <laughs> which is great. Because after you eat nacho Doritos... They're all over your fingers. Sure. Just like them Cheetos. So, you know, just a couple neat things. Yeah. You know, and that sort of stuff is just, you know, it's good good stuff. I, I We need another person to fake run for president. Oh, heck, why not just Will Rogers himself? Exactly. From here exactly. on out, join the campaign. Yeah, we're, Will start, Rogers we're for starting president. next Tuesday. Meet us at the local restaurant. We're going to go house to house, knocking on doors. I'll be at the local Daylight Donuts, passing out buttons. Sausage rolls and buttons and the whole bit. Um, one thing I, I kind of want to close with, kind of, Will uh, explained what bunk was in his terms, and that's why I think Stephen Colbert, uh, John Stewart, um, all those guys uh, were perfect f for what is going on today, uh, especially Stephen Colbert. Um, this is the age of bunk, Mr. Rogers says. We eat it with our cereal at breakfast. We ride to work with it posted before our eyes. We see it in the movies at night. We hear it over the radio. Bunk is the American staple of existence. In love, in war, in work and play, it is busy making things seem what they almost certainly are not. <laughs> bunk greases the wheels of industry. Bunk furnishes the home. Mr. Rogers, of course, did not originate this idea nor is he the first man to see the bunk color politics as well as everything else in American life. The truth of the matter is that the American people like bunk. They choose it deliberately. It is the breath of life to them. <laughs> now look at today. Dude, it's that's the same true. exact thing that's going on. That's good stuff. We feed everybody that is bunk. We feed them. So I just thought that was really neat to bring up that Will Rogers, of course, is associated some hun almost 100 years later with something that is... Comes right down to home. I think I think Man, it thought it was great. Thought it was great. Where'd that come from? That comes from Bart's brain, um, page twenty six. <laughs> well, guys, I think that wraps it up for us for this month's podcast of uh, bacon beans and limousines. Uh, we want to do our quick thank yous. This is uh, brought to you by the uh, Will Rogers Memorial Museums. This episode was uh, produced by uh, Jacob Crumwitty and Bart Taylor. Special thanks goes out to the Move Trio for uh, for the music. Actually, 
You're not Mooch Rio anymore. We're Move Tet, man. There's four it of just you goes now. to show you how big a fan he is. <laughs> Zip. Well, thanks thanks to the Move Tet for the music that. in the uh, intro and outro. And, uh, of course, the sources we used this week was uh, Ben Yagoda's uh, Will Rogers biography, um, Will Rogers' A Political Life by um, Dr. Richard White, and, uh, of course, uh, the... <laughs> Uh, the articles himself from Will Rogers, he chose to run. So anyway, I think that just about does it for us. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And of course, always. Episode 22. And the books. <laughs>